Hey, SES Student Ministries, Devin here, uh, bringing you our new series uh, titled Good Things that we're going to be doing for just the next couple of weeks in the month of December um, as we look to close out uh, the year. Uh, So with that, Christmas is almost here, which means we're all waiting and waiting and waiting some more right for the big day this Christmas. uh, What are you most excited about? What are you waiting for? Um, Whether it's presents or food or you have family traditions or something, or the moment you can finally blast some Christmas music without getting dirty looks, there's a lot to look forward at Christmas time. But you know the saying that good things come to those who wait, right? Uh, So there are some things that I'm willing to wait for, but I don't really have the, the patience to wait forever, right? Maybe you can relate to that. On a scale of a toddler who wants a snack to someone who camps out for three days to get a good Black Friday deal, how good are you at waiting, Think about that to yourself. How good are you at waiting? Uh, waiting? Waiting is easier when we have an end in sight, right? When it comes to our Christmas plans, that's easy. We know exactly when all of our waiting and planning is going to end, right? But sometimes even when we've been waiting patiently, our plans don't go according to plan, right? Um, no matter how well we plan this Christmas or really any time, there's always a chance that our plans aren't going to go according to plan, right? Uh no one's batting 100%, right? No one's batting 1,000. For the next few weeks as we wait for Christmas to finally arrive, we're going to talk about a plan that actually did uh, go all the way through, right? It did go according to plan. It's a plan that was created by God, was set in motion before time even existed, involved a little bit of waiting, and is capable of changing our lives. And that plan has a lot to do with Christmas, right? Uh, there's a good chance that you've heard uh, the Christmas story before, right? If you come to youth group, we've talked about, we do it every, every December. If you've come to church every December, you're going to hear the same story, right? Uh, Mary Joseph, a manger, baby Jesus, you get the idea. But God started making Christmas plans long before that day that we now celebrate, right? To trace the beginnings of God's plan, we actually have to go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible to another story that might be kind of familiar, God's plan began where humanity's whole story began, and that's in the Garden of Eden. Uh, In the very beginning, God created the first people, created Adam and Eve. Uh, Back then, God and humanity had a close relationship, and everything was as it should have been. Uh, But then a certain serpent appeared on the scene, and that's where we're going to pick up in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. If you're following along, it will be Genesis chapter 3, verses 1. 1 through 15 uh, says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the one, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? 
He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So from this moment on, everything changed. Because of sin, humanity's relationship with God was changed forever. And it might not seem like God's plans had already gone wrong, but God doesn't seem surprised. Instead, we get the first hints of God's real plan. Yes, things had gone wrong, but someday things will be made right. One day, a child will be born who would put an end to sin and death forever. And that plan was still sounding pretty vague to us as humans, though, so over time, God started to give us more hints about what was in store. Long after Adam and Eve, God began to speak to humanity through prophets. Uh, During the time of King David, around 1000 BC, about 3000 years ago, God gave humanity an update right on the plan. We were told the baby God promised was still on the way and that the baby would be a descendant of King David. So then God gives us God gave us another update through the prophet Jeremiah, who probably lived around 650 to 750 BC, around 2700 years ago. Uh, Jeremiah had a tough job. At one time, God's people, the Israelites, had been a powerful nation, but during Jeremiah's life, their sinful choices and disobedience to God had led uh, to their inevitable downfall. And the nation of Israel had split into two. They were now Israel and Judah. These nations fought wars with each other and their neighbors. Poverty led to people going hungry and being without homes. And a lethal combination of jealousy and pride left them vulnerable vulnerable to attacks uh, from other nations. And the strengthening nation of Babylon became a huge threat to God's people. If Babylon were to invade the city, they thought it wouldn't just be them who was defeated. They believed that God would be defeated as well. So with that whole story in mind, let's see what God has to say. So uh, if you're following along, we're going to be flipping all the way down to Jeremiah now. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. And that says, uh, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line, and he will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord our righteous Savior. So know this righteous branch thing is not about an actual branch, right, or Groot or something like that. This is about uh, the family tree of humanity from Adam and Eve to King David all the way to a future king who God would use to save the world. For a long time, this was all humanity knew about God's plan. Jeremiah had the privilege of sharing the good news that God's plan was still in the works, but there was a catch. We still had some waiting to do. All throughout the Old Testament, there are so many hints pictures and clues like this one, reassurances that God has good things in store and that better days of God's grace and mercy were on the way. And hundreds of years after the book of Jeremiah was written, we were given the book of Matthew, which helps us see how this family tree finally turns out. So now we're going to keep moving along in chronological order in the Bible, and we're going to be in 
the New Testament in Matthew uh, chapter 1, 1 through 17. And that says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shiltiel, Shiltiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathon, Mathon the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile of Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to the Messiah. So, wow, long list of names, right? That's all we're hearing, right? whole bunch of names. Uh, you might be thinking, wow, what a cool list of names. I can't pronounce these people and I don't know most of them. So why is this important? It's important because this list of names shows us how God's plan unfolded over generations. It's pretty amazing that we have record of the lineage all the way down, all the way to, uh, down to David, um, down all the way to Joseph and Mary. Um, each of these people for generations knew what it was like to wait for the future Savior God had promised. Jesus' ancestors included all sorts of people, right? Men, women, kings, nobodies, shepherds, widows, religious people, not-so-religious people, and more. And each of these people mentioned by name in Jesus' ancestry were part of God's plan. But they all had something in common. They all had to wait for it. And the seating the season leading up to Christmas, which we're in right now, is called Advent. It's a season where plan uh, and wait for the birth of Jesus, just like humanity did for centuries before he arrived. Uh, for generations, humanity didn't know what we were waiting for, but we trusted that God had a plan. Uh, today, Advent reminds us of the plan God set in motion at the beginning of time, a plan to solve the problem of sin and make wrong things right. And if you're anything like me, waiting is not something that I'm always good at, especially if I don't know what I'm waiting for or when I'm going to get it. We don't have an end, end in sight, right? But Advent reminds me that even while I'm waiting, God can be trusted because today, as always, God has a plan. And you might be thinking, this all sounds cool, but what does this have to do with me? Well, you know how God has a plan to make good things happen for all of humanity. The same is true for you personally. You were never surprised to God. Your life was always 
part of his plan. If you pay attention, I think you'll be able to see God's presence throughout your whole story, past, present, and future. Where have you seen God at work in your life already, and what good things might God have in store for you? Think of the major life events that have shaped who you are. Maybe the day you were born, uh, the time you landed the lead in a play, maybe when your parents divorced, that class you took that gave you a new passion or interest, the first time you lost a loved one, uh, maybe even the day you decided to follow Jesus. Add these events in order to your timeline. Then next to each one, uh, if you have a paper down, I want you to actually physically write this. Write a sentence about how God was present with you in that moment. What did you learn? How did you grow? How did God change you? Last, think about what good things God might have in store for you. I'm not asking you to predict the future or anything, but I'm encouraging you to think about what good things you know God wants for you, like a deeper faith, a life filled with purpose, uh, becoming more like Jesus. And when you're done, look at the story of your life. I mean, can you see the good things that God has done and will do, even though some of the painful and messy stuff is there? The good news of Advent is that God is on the way and that evil doesn't win. And all of the good stuff, all of the bad stuff, and all of the painful stuff, God always has a plan. The church has celebrated uh, Advent for centuries. And although it looks a little different um, in different Christian traditions, some believers uh, spend the four weeks leading up to Christmas focusing on God's promises of hope, peace, joy, and love. Uh, lighting one new candle each week. If you come to our church services, you'll see that. For other believers, the candles represent different things. Uh, The prophets who predicted Jesus' coming, the journey of Mary and Joseph, the joy experienced by the shepherds at Jesus' birth, and the angels who brought messages of peace. Some light a fifth candle on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. Uh, Some traditions use different symbolic candle colors, and some start celebrating Advent even earlier, and they have six candles instead of four or five. There's tons of ways to celebrate the season of Advent, but here's what all followers Jesus have in common. Uh, Just like the Jews looked for and anticipated the first coming of Jesus, believers today both celebrate the arrival of Jesus and still anticipate his return one day in the future. The tension of this season of Advent is that we are both celebrating and still waiting for the rest of God's plan to come, even when we have to wait for it. And so much of the Christmas season is about remembering the past and waiting for the future. There's nostalgia and anticipation at the same time. And in that spirit, let's remember what God has already done and look forward to God still as planned uh, in our lives together. For centuries, God had been telling the world through prophets that a Savior was on the way. And he was. God's plans were already in motion before we even knew we needed those plans. Uh, From the Garden of Eden to King David to Jeremiah and beyond, God's plans were in motion even though humanity had to wait for them. So let this holiday season be a reminder to you that even when you're waiting impatiently, that this is as true now as it was back then. God has a plan and God's plan for us are good. Thanks guys for listening. Uh, I can't wait to see you guys. Uh, tonight, uh, Wednesday night, uh, should be a fun youth group, a good time to get together. Uh, if I don't see you, I'll see you next time.